0: Wow! What a time of worship, Amen. Amen. Let's just give our team and our guest Rodney Dallas uh, a hand, because wow, we are in God's presence. And uh, you know that's our hope and our prayers when we come together. That this this is something that we believe. When when God's people are together, His presence is poured out. And uh, in this series we're in, we are one. We are being continually reminded that in Jesus we have a new family, new brothers and sisters, the body of Christ. And when we're united, his presence is there. His blessing is there. And uh, today we're looking at this idea of purpose revealed. And I don't know if you're like me, but maybe you've wondered at times, well, what what is my purpose? What's the purpose of the church? What what exactly is God saying to us? And, and what does that mean for my life? And so we're going to get into all of that today. And uh, I came across, actually, this week uh, online, some of you may have saw this, a a story about a dog. In fact, if you're online with us right now, uh, drop a picture of your dog or an emoji of a dog so our hosts know you're there. Uh, In this room, let me show you a picture of this dog, Lizzie, in Idaho. Uh, This dog, Lizzie, is so uh, adorable, right? Can you say, ah? Okay. Uh, So here's the crazy thing about Lizzie. Okay. Lizzie's family was traveling on the highway and was in an accident. Now everyone was okay, but Lizzie got so afraid she ran off. And and not only did she run off, but they searched for hours and hours that day and could not find her. So they posted the picture online, they had to go home, and and over the next couple of days they were hopeful that somebody would see a picture of Lizzie and recognize Lizzie. Well, sure enough, about a mile and a half to two miles from the accident site, some farmers noticed that they had a dog on their farm shepherding their sheep, or their cattle, I forget which it was, that wasn't theirs, Lizzie knew who she was. She was clear on her identity and literally started hurting at this ranch because she understood who she was and what her purpose was. Now, think about you and I. How often do we miss out because we're not clear on who God has called us to be, what He's revealed? And that's what I want to encourage you with today is that, that in fact, as we get into Ephesians 3, we want to be who God has called, revealed, and purposed us to be. Read that with me. We're going to put it up on the screen. We want to be... Come on, team. It's coming. There it is. Be who God has called, revealed, and purposed you to be. Because there is a world that is causing chaos... And accidents are happening all around our lives right now. And in, in that story, this dog didn't allow an accident to get it off of its purpose. And in, I'll tell you, as we get into Ephesians chapter 3, Paul has had some things thrown at him. The apostle Paul, the writer, he has had some stuff thrown at him. And yet he's still being who he's called to be, what God's revealing to him. And what he's purposed to be. And so let's dive in here in the first six verses. Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, as it has now been revealed, say revealed. Revealed, revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So we look at these few first few verses of Ephesians 3. It's incredible what Paul is saying. Paul is a prisoner. Did you catch that? There's something that's happened in his life that would happen over and over and over if you get to know his story. Paul was somebody that God called, revealed his purpose, gave him direction and said, "Here's what you're to do." But as Paul walked that out, there were moments of beatings and suffering in prison. I I mean, his purpose was always clear, but then life kind of happened around him. And so in this instance, he's writing from a Roman prison, and and Rome is under an emperor Nero at the time. Now, did you notice what Paul said in verse 1? He he actually said, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. He doesn't say Nero. Y'all, I'm more excited than you. Let let, let me just tell you, this was the text in Ephesians that I was like, God, what am I going to do with these 13 verses? And the more I studied and got into it and the more I prayed, the more I felt like I came away with five sermons. There is some richness in God's word when we dig, amen? And so you have a moment here where Paul is saying, not Nero, but Christ, that in fact he understood because Christ had called him he was following Jesus and whatever Jesus allowed into his path he trusted God because he knew ultimately one of my favorite verses is Colossians 3:17 whatever you do do it for the Lord not for men some of you have bosses that you don't want to work for anymore Some of you have people that you don't want to follow anymore. You better believe that a simple shift to somebody bigger than that person is what was helping Paul in this moment, because he recognized, yeah, Nero's in the way right now, but I'm ultimately serving Christ. Church, can I get an amen? Amen. It's fascinating what he does here, too, because he starts with a prayer, right? So he's in, he's in the middle of this letter. The first couple of chapters, he reveals our identity, our inheritance, uh, what we're a part of in the body of Christ. And as he reveals all of that, it's almost like Paul knew, man, that's a lot for them. I need to pray. And there is power in prayer. I just want to encourage you that we're not going to just talk about prayer around here. We're going to pray. Because prayer ultimately gets us in alignment with God's will and his purpose and what he's revealing to us. We want to be a praying church. We want to be coming to the Lord and saying, God, what is your plan? Not mine, but yours. And so it's almost like as Paul pivots, he prays. But then it got weird, didn't it? Because he starts his prayer and cuts it off. And he backs up for a minute in the prayer. You ever been in a prayer meeting where somebody is like, they start to pray, but they're like, oh, wait, I got to tell you about this. And, and, and wait, wait, did I tell you about this? Right? And, and before long, it's like, are we going to just, just pray? Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, what Paul was doing here. But then as we look at it, you'll see. Paul was beginning to pray and then pause to remind them of how small he really was of how much his story had been impacted by Jesus. That in fact, Jesus was making him who he was. And that even in prison, Paul was not down or discouraged. He wasn't divided from the Lord or from his purpose. He wanted them to understand the richness of God's grace. A grace that he didn't deserve, that none of us do, but that had become available to him. And so Paul as he's doing this if you're taking notes he re- God often reveals his direction for our lives and supplies the details as we walk with him. And every control freak in the room or online just went no. Uh-uh, I need the whole plan or I'm not signing up. <laughs> it's, it's kind of been my story. I'll tell you, what God does throughout Scripture is he calls people. He says, hey, come follow me. And he gives us some direction and a sense of purpose, but he reveals more and more as we walk with him, more and more that, begins to under, that we begin to understand. And so if you're wondering, like, what's the, the, the end result? Well, Christ returns and everything's made right. That's good news. Okay? But in between then and now, he's going to ask you to trust him, to walk with him. And and notice here that in verse uh, 6, it said, This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. The word there in the Greek is mysterio. Sounds like a Marvel character, but it's not. Mysterio actually uh, means an open secret, So as it has, in this sense, this, this mysterious nature to it, this gospel that God is revealing to the world, but it's not meant to be hidden. It's meant to be open and available to everyone. He goes on to say that this secret is that in this body of Christ, because of Jesus, that what was only for the Jews is now for the Gentiles as well. Now, my guess is that this congregation and our online audience, that most of us would be classified as Gentiles, not Jews. Praise God that the borders of our faith, because of this moment and what God was doing in the early church, began to make the gospel available to all of us, because we could have been excluded. The nature of this open secret is that Jesus and God's grace calls together people, Jew and Gentile in that day and age. But today, Jesus builds together through his spirit this amazing body of Christ that is global and yet local, that's multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multi-economic class, people that grew up in it, people that didn't. And somehow he knits us together in Jesus And that's what Paul is saying. It's that there's this open secret. And notice here that it's pointing a little bit later in verse 10. says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What Paul is saying in these few verses is, listen, the beauty of this open secret and who Jesus' body is meant to be, will inform the rulers and authorities in the world that God is greater because they couldn't get it done. They couldn't figure out how to bring people together and how to do it, but Jesus has done it. Come on, church. Like, where is that message in today's divided and hostile world? It's in the church. And the question I think that Paul is getting at is, listen, this is the direction, right? I'll give you the details as you follow me. N.T. Wright, a modern theologian and author, says this about these particular verses. He says, The rulers and authorities must be confronted with God's wisdom in all its rich variety, and this is to happen through the church. Not, we should quickly add, through what the church says. Hello though that is vital as well. He says, rather through what the church is. So it's not enough to just say it, we've got to live it. Little accountability. Namely, the community, he says, in which men, women, and children of every race, color, social, and cultural background come together in glad worship of the one true God. Oh my goodness. My heart just comes alive understanding that this this is a part of God's design and I've been thinking about this a lot because when we have direction and we're waiting on God for details sometimes our dreams are too small and they're too selfish for such a big God If you read on like I've asked you to, I've I've told you, if you've been coming during this series, please read the book of Ephesians this summer over and over and over. Because in the next few verses beyond what we'll cover today, Paul continues his prayer and talks about a hope that is far more than we can imagine, a God who has plans that are so much bigger than each and every one of us. In fact, here's what I've learned in, in my life. If God told me everything he wanted to do today that's coming tomorrow, I don't have the grace for it and I'm not ready. It would scare me. It would overwhelm me. It would be more than I could handle. And that's the entire point. Is that when we get our focus on God and how big God is, we begin to trust him for bigger dreams. I believe that God has a bigger dream than you're dreaming right now for your life. I believe God has a bigger dream for our church than we're dreaming right now. And I believe that as we trust him and follow him, he wants to make it known, but it's an act of walking with him. Now, notice that Paul, our main character for today outside of Jesus, had said that that he had become a partaker of this. Let, let me take you to the beginning of Paul's story for a minute, if you will. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, we find Paul is a persecutor of the church. Paul is actually somebody whose pers- name is Saul at the time. He's persecuting Christ's church. He believes he's doing the right thing. And, and in that, God show- Jesus shows up. And begins to show him that, listen, you thought it was this, but I'm showing you who I am. And I won't give you all the details, but I need you to trust me and follow me. Verse 1 of Acts 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. You think your life is messed up. You think you've done things God couldn't forgive you of. Hello. He was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if any belonging to the way, that's what they were known. They hadn't been called Christians yet. In this moment, Acts 11 is the first time they're called Christians. In this moment, they're just known as followers of the way, the way of Jesus. So he says, belonging to the way, men or women... The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days, he was out without sight and neither ate nor drank. This was a pivotal moment in Paul's journey when his purpose had moved from, I'm I'm going to protect the faith to now the faith is centered on Jesus. And as I follow Jesus, Jesus has more for me, but I don't quite know all the details yet. And as you read on in the book of Acts, you see all these moments where, where Paul, he would now be called, Saul would be called Paul, would, would now walk into a new situation and when God would give him the details for that moment and situation. It took a high level of trust for Paul. And guess what? When we say that Jesus is Lord and he's our Savior, when we say we're followers of Jesus, we need to trust him too. So let me ask you that question. Do you trust Jesus? Not just that Jesus is Lord, not just that he's your Savior. In theory, that you can believe that, but that doesn't mean you're living for him or following him you see to trust jesus is what paul would have to do and i believe what god's calling us to do is to say listen you you may have a lot of fears you may have a lot of things you're worried about but god is so good you can trust him and if you'll trust him his plan will work out better than yours and i gotta tell you as a kid at age 11, I felt called to be a pastor. But I didn't trust the Lord. I was scared of His calling. I, I didn't like what God revealed. And so I rebelled and almost destroyed my own life over the next eight years. We tend to do that, don't we? We tend to take things into our own hands and, and think that we know better than God. But I got to tell you, I'm walking in God's blessing and favor right now in a way I've never experienced. And I say that humbly to tell you that I had never heard of this place. But God said, hey, this is it. This is the next step. I don't have all the details, but I trust Jesus. And when we trust Jesus, he takes care of us. He is a good, good heavenly father. So do you trust him? Verse 7 and 8, let's keep going here in Ephesians 3. There's so much to, to look at. It says, of this gospel, this good news about Jesus, Paul says, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Whose power? His power. I'm gonna just pause here for a minute because Paul was a guy who had all the credentials. He had been raised in the faith, the Jewish faith. He had been, his rabbi was Gamil, who was like one of the most well-known, incredible teachers. He had all the credentials. He could have said, I'm doing it in my strength, according to my education, my experience, and my power, but he doesn't, does he? Because he had realized in Jesus, there's a greater grace and a greater power available. So he says, by the working of his power, To me, though I am the very least of all these saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. It's incredible, and if you're taking notes, our purpose is to make known what God has made known to us. Our purpose, just like Paul's, is to make known what God has made known to us. So as the Lord begins to reveal more of who he is to you, guess what? Now you share that with the people God has given you influence over. You're not responsible to share everything I know. You're responsible to share what God is making known to you. And for Paul, this had a lot of impact and meaning because... As he walked with Jesus, if you read in his story, there was moments where there was more and more about God and his character being revealed to him. He, he says there, in fact, in verse 7, the gift of God's grace and the working of his power. I'm a child of the 80s, and in the 80s there were reruns of this uh, old show, this sitcom called The Beverly Hillbillies. Anybody remember this? Anybody else Grow up on that show. Yeah, yeah, right? Still around. I think you could see some reruns. In and, and the Beverly Hillbillies, uh, it was just this fascinating show, right? You, you had some hillbillies from the Ozarks that discovered they had oil and riches on their property. Now, in discovering the oil and the riches, that changed their life. And and they went to Beverly Hills, and that's kind of what the whole show is about is them trying to fit in at a place they weren't from and didn't really understand. They didn't know how to walk in those riches. Sound familiar, church? Sound familiar? Paul's saying, Listen, you've been given riches. There is something in you, if you're a follower of Christ, that is so much greater. Will you trust him? And allow him to do his work. And it takes all the pressure off. Philippians 1 verse 6. Incredible verse. It says this. And I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That it's actually God working in us that causes us to follow him and live on purpose. It's God's work in us. And as we heard there from Paul, his life had not been perfect leading up to that moment with Jesus. He said it's a gift of God's grace that he's the least of those that are qualified. And I just need us for a minute to to lay down our religious ears and eyes and hearts at the foot of the cross. Because we have a a script in the church often that, that somehow... Teaches us that it's about us earning and achieving. It's about us perfecting ourselves. And I need us to flip that script, church, if we're gonna be who God's called us to be. We need to flip that script and we need to realize that it's about a progress that's leading to perfection. That in fact there are no perfect people. Say that with me. There are no perfect people, but there are a people, according to scripture that are being perfected by God working in them, that are growing with the Lord, that are growing closer, that are being conformed not to the world and its agenda, but are being conformed to who Christ is and his kingdom agenda. And it's Christ working in us that allows us to take a step To hopefully look back a year from now and go, wow, look how much I've grown with Jesus. It's Christ working in us. And when he returns, we will be made perfect. We will be perfect and whole when Jesus returns. So what does that mean? It means some of us need to get real for a minute. I promise I won't come to your row and tap you. And if you're like, oh, he's looking at me right now, I'm not. The lights are too bright for me to be looking right in your eyes, okay? But if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and he's revealing to you that maybe you're a little too prideful, maybe you're a little too full of yourself and not full enough of Jesus, maybe you're exhausted because you've been depending on your own strength. To try to live for the Lord instead of the power that God supplies. Maybe, just maybe, that's the Lord speaking and not me in this moment. Because I believe that God has so much more for us. And the pressure isn't on us. It's just in following him and allowing him to work and to move. It's a gift of God's grace. These last few verses for today. In Ephesians 3, Paul says this. He says, these unsearchable riches of Christ, verse 9, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. That's through the church, say through the church. And I'm gonna just pause here. I'm the guy that got a paycheck from a church in 2003. Sitting in my office chair at this church they bring me my first check i'm bivocational i'm working at a school and at a church and i get the check and i go in my head oh can i say crap in church (laughs) i I don't know i just said it so here we go (laughs) i looked at it and went oh crap i don't know what i believe about the church how can I accept the church's money if I don't know what I believe about it? Because I love Jesus and I believed in Jesus and I knew my life wanted to be about multiplying Jesus, but I didn't know and understand 18 years ago how much Jesus actually loves his church. In an era where the church is getting beat up over and over in the world around us, we're not saying the church is perfect, but it surely is Christ's bride, It's surely his vehicle to extend the kingdom. It's surely what he's returning for. And when I wrestled that to the ground over the next few months after getting that check, I realized that's what I want to give my life to. And so Paul is saying that that church, the manifold wisdom of God, might be now made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according, he says, to the eternal purpose, say eternal, eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom, because of Jesus, he's saying because of his grace, because of his covering, because of his blood, we can now have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. There's a greater boldness and a greater confidence, not in us but in who Christ is in us and how we can approach him. And he says, lastly, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul understands God's purpose revealed to him. Paul understands that, in fact, these eternal purposes, we are called, if you're taking notes, to extend God's eternal purposes to the ends of the earth that we are called to extend his eternal purposes, things that will last forever are found in Jesus. Things that outlast our 401ks, things that outlast generational wealth transfer, things that will outlast our hard work are actually eternal. And when we begin to refocus everything on those eternal purposes, we begin to walk in why God has placed us here, Because each of us have been called, if we're in Jesus, he has more for our lives that he wants to reveal, and his purpose is to extend this to the ends of the earth. And there's a difference between eternal purposes and our purposes, aren't there? I got some cotton candy with me today. You know, growing up, I thought this stuff was amazing. Amazing. This is legit cotton candy okay some of it just fell and and you would get the cotton candy at the fair or wherever right and you'd mm, yeah now here's the thing right now I can't talk because it's still melting right that's actually really good (laughs) I didn't plan for that part So this cotton candy, for many of us, we have a cotton candy faith. We have a cotton candy faith that is just enough that we get a taste on Sunday, and then we begin to walk. And the moment something happens, the moment something circumstantially that's not eternal happens, we get rattled, we get shaken, and we begin to give up. Did you catch that Paul is in prison when he's writing this letter? He doesn't have a faith that dissolves in his mouth when things get hard. He has something that lasts far beyond. That's available to each of us. These eternal purposes that God has that are lasting. Our mission as a church is to love God and love all people in our pathway. And we're gonna do that as a gift of God's grace and in his grace and in his power. In this text, it was so clear, wasn't it? That that we're operating and walking in his power and with his grace. Grace actually is God's unmerited favor. It's a favor and a blessing that God speaks and pours over the life of the believer. This is not a prosperity gospel because, again, God's revealed purpose for your life may lead you into some situations where your faith is challenged, because it's hard or difficult like what Paul faced. But that grace and favor means that God's with you every step of the way. And that God's grace is sufficient and it's enough. And his power at work in you will give you all you need to fulfill the purpose that he has for you. And each of us in the body of Christ are called to do our part in that body so that that message of Jesus is extended to the ends of the earth you don't need to do my part you need to do your part that wasn't in my notes you should write that down <laughs> you don't need to do my part you need to do your part the part that God has called and revealed and purposed for you because then collectively we'll fulfill God's plans for his local church and what he has for us as we extend it to the ends of the earth. And here's what I love, uh, and this is where I'm going to finish today. In 2 Corinthians 10, Paul again, in just a few verses, shares an incredible principle with us that I believe he was living out in Ephesians 3 and in 2 Corinthians 10. He's making it clear. I, I heard one pastor call it the grace zone. That that in fact, we live in this space, this zone of grace that God has given us. It's this space that has unmerited favor and blessing. And and here's the problem, is sometimes you're overreaching and overextending beyond the grace that God has given you. And, And we live in a day and age where it's easy to do that. We can compare with others. We can get envious of others. We can start to want what they have when you don't have the grace for what they have. Because God's got enough grace for what he's called you to. And this is why when we're loving all people in our pathway, it gets really, really simple. He's put some people in your pathway. And he'll give you the grace to love them. And so here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, but we will not boast beyond limits but will boast only with regard to the area of influence that God assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves. Anybody else exhausted? Anybody else tired? Anybody else worn out? Maybe, maybe God's saying you're overextending beyond what I've graced you for. That really hit a few of you. As though we did not reach you, for you were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts boast in who? The Lord, it was on the screen, by the way. I'm not trying to trick anybody here, okay? For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one the Lord commends. There is a grace, there is a favor, there is a blessing available to us as we walk in God's revealed purposes. And my heart and hope is we can get aligned with Jesus We can allow Jesus to really work in this season in whatever area he's given us. And here's what gets exciting, is as our faith comes alive in the area God has called us, did you catch what happens? As your faith increases, the territory increases for all of us. As you begin to do your part in the neighborhood and in the workplace and in the school he's placed you, that means God's territory is growing and being maximized. God's revealed purpose is that people would come to see how great Jesus is. And when we respond to Jesus, he's right there to say, I'll give you all you need. Just trust me. Three next step questions to close. Will you walk with Jesus into the plans and purpose he has for you, even without all the details? Will you by faith say, Jesus, you know what? I've been fighting you. I believe in you, but I haven't been following you. Or Jesus, I've been following the parts of what you're showing me that I like and that fit my preferences, but I'm not giving you all of me. Even without all the details, will you trust and follow? Secondly, will you commit to growing with God so you can make known what he is making known to you? Here's what's so cool, right? You begin walking with Jesus. And Monday, you read a verse and you're like, oh my goodness, right? You don't need to share everything I just said on Sunday. Share what God is revealing to you on Monday with those around you. Because the likelihood is it's not just for you, but something you can make known and will bless them too. So will you make known what he's showing you? And then third, will you walk by faith in his grace, his favor and his blessing? Will you share that with those in your pathway? God is increasing, I believe. And that happens as we walk by faith and we say, God, we don't, we don't, have all the, we don't know all of where it's headed, but we know it's gonna be good because you're returning for your church. And so we're gonna follow you by faith and we're gonna walk in your blessing and your favor. Right now, we're gonna go into a time of worship and we're gonna sing a song called The Blessing. It's a song that for many of you is very familiar because it hit, it was literally dropped by Elevation Worship and uh, Cody Carnes and Carrie Job the week that the pandemic hit in America in March of 2020. And there was something supernatural about this song then that I still believe is true today, that God has put his hand on this and said, this this song is to be my church's anthem. That we believe as we follow God's revealed purpose that he has blessing and favor, whether things are easy or hard, whether we're in prison or in a palace, our God has a favor that is meant to be walked in to extend his eternal purposes. Can I get an amen, church? And so right now, we're going to Him. Right now, we are going to Him. And if you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior online, let our chat hosts know they're there for you. Here, we've got prayer partners ready to pray. Maybe you're going, I haven't experienced this favor and blessing. Let go today. Let us pray for you. We need to hear that God is right here and available now. Y'all, I'm ready to... To like run through a wall are you ready to follow him f- stand up let's pray let's pray together and let's enter in there is a fire burning that i believe is available to all of us a grace and a favor father we love you and praise you as we respond to you right now jesus I thank you that your grace is enough, That it is a gift, that your power at work in us takes all the pressure off. So Father, right now, we look to you and we want to, through our praise, through our worship, through our prayers, affirm that Jesus, we need you and we believe that you have a blessing, your favor and grace for us. Pour out your presence, Lord, as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, bless you and
1: keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give. you and keep you make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord turn here
0: Amen, God is good, God is good, and he is for you, and if he is for you, who can be against you? There is a revealed purpose that is ahead, lean in, let the Lord show you what he has, walk by faith, trust him, and the adventure will really begin. Jesus, we love you and praise you. We thank you for these holy moments, moments to be in your, res- your presence and to respond to you, to be reminded of how good you are. No matter life circumstances, you are good. And when you are with us, we have all we need. So God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are trusting you and following you, that your plans, your purposes for their life would continue to be revealed You've given them direction, supply the details day by day. And we pray that as their faith increases and our faith increases, that your dreams, your plans would be fulfilled. And Jesus, we commit now to giving you all the glory. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. If you're a visitor, please come through those doors. Let our chat host know online. We'd love to welcome you. We have a gift for you. If you still need prayer, we'll stay up here and available. But may we each go now and love God and love all people in our pathway. Go now and be the church. Have a great week.